The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. What are the most successful change leaders of today doing to deliver great results? Welcome to Inside Transformational Leadership with your host, Kate Ebner. Our program is produced by the Institute for Transformational Leadership at Georgetown University. We'll explore the inner game of transformational leadership, sharing insights from renowned leaders and faculty from our world-class leadership and coaching programs. Now, from Georgetown University, here is Kate Ebner. Good morning, and thank you so much for joining us once again. This is Inside Transformational Leadership, and I'm your host, Kate Ebner. I'm here today with my guest, Shirley Clark, who directs the Women's Center here in in, uh, Vienna, Virginia, in the Washington, D.C. metro region. Um, We're going to have a conversation today about the extraordinary work that the Women's Center is doing. And, Shirley, we're really looking forward to your perspective as someone who's uh, helping the center celebrate its 40th year of providing mental health counseling support and education to help people live it healthy, stable, and productive lives. You're doing such important work, and I'm delighted to have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you, Kate. I'm very honored to be here today. Good. Well, I want to I want to um, give our listeners a chance to know a little bit more about you and how you came to to be the leader of the Women's Center. I know you've had had a very interesting career. Would you mind just telling us a little bit about your background and about uh, how you got involved? Uh, certainly, thanks. Yeah, I was I was your typical corporate uh, mother with children and always on airplanes and decided I needed to make a change. And in 2000, I guess 2003, I left my corporate career with eyes set on starting a small nonprofit to help empower women. I thought that was where my passion was and what I wanted to do. But I found very quickly that I was engulfed in consulting and other work. But along the way, um, did follow that dream and started to volunteer at the Women's Center, um, helping them with their leadership conference, and got very involved with a number of the board members and some of the other volunteers during that time and got to know the center. And after a few years, I um, joined their board of directors. And then in the fall, or actually late um, late fall of 2013, as there was an executive director change, I stepped in to help, um, having been a consultant, and found that it absolutely matched um, my passion for what I wanted to do in life and all of the skill sets that I had acquired, uh, both both in my private uh, work as well as my public my public work had um, meaning and had a need. And so they were all brought together and I asked the board um, whether they would consider me. I did not have a mental health background. I did not have a nonprofit executive director background, but I did have a business background and I had a passion for the work that was being done and had actually worked in a lot of those areas myself. So um, you never know where your where your life is going to lead you. I think that's true. It's actually a really interesting to, to think of your story 
as one in which you, um, you know, really through volunteering, um, stepped into a big opportunity to bring everything you know how to do um, in service to such a great cause and one that's so aligned with who you are. I wonder, you know, if you would mind giving us just an overview of the services, the things that the Women's Center does so that uh, we can understand really the scope and impact of, of your work. Yeah, Thank you. The first and most important thing is that the Women's Center offers individual and group therapy to anyone regardless of their ability to pay. We believe so strongly that mental health is the key to a strong foundation in our community. And I think most of us can agree that many people are left without resources. So we, um, we provide that therapy, but we also work in collaboration with a number of other nonprofits and also the government. We provide advocacy for victims of domestic violence as they go through the court systems. We provide educational classes on the practical side. Um, we have lawyers come in who do a lot of work around um, different issues such as mediation, separation, and divorce. We have financial classes, career help, career classes. But then we also do educational programming for personal improvement, a lot of work around self-esteem. And I think it's really important to say that we've also started programs on self-esteem for teens. We're really trying to get in front of some of the challenges that we're seeing in our community today. But that also includes our personal improvement, also includes things like anger management, parenting, nutrition, mindfulness, and, of course, tools for stress management. That's a good one we usually take out into the corporate world um, as well. Wow. And I know that, you know, when you started off 40 years ago, you were really a resource and counseling center focused on women who are facing difficult challenges and transitions. And yet today, you know, men... Uh, young adults, as you've mentioned, families, uh, children, you really are serving the whole community. Um, is that is that true? Yes, it's true. About 15% of our clients are men each year. And, you know, I think that when you look at the work that we do, um, especially for married couples and, and families, I think it was a natural transition to bring men into the center. I don't know exactly when that happened or if it was from the very beginning, but we do so much counseling for couples and families, um, and that's obviously not gender-specific. And so we welcome everyone. And, and matter of fact, at our um, gala on Saturday, one of the gentlemen and his two sons um, who used the Women's Center, you know, spoke to the audience and told them about their his experience. Well, that's wonderful. <clears throat> you know, I'm, I'm struck by something you said a moment ago about, you know, the belief that mental health is vital to healthy community. And I'd like to just ask you to, to share a little bit more about how you see mental health as foundational or fundamental to a community's health. What do you mean by that? So many of the things that we deal with each day can put us beyond our stress levels that are within our own tolerance levels, I should say. And when we are stressed out or when we are beyond our tolerance levels, will react in ways that maybe are not aligned with our intentions. And many people don't even recognize that they have, you know, a purpose or an intention. Mental health is about understanding how the brain works and how the brain reacts. And 
as I talk to people, I usually talk about a spectrum because when we use the term mental health, we often think of mental illness. We've begun to associate that so closely that the term has a stigma with it. But when we talk about physical health, we think about going to the gym or, or eating right or dieting or things that are good for us. Mental health is the same way. So if you don't have the tools, you know, if you don't have the barbells to strengthen your arm muscles, if you don't have the tools to strengthen the parts of your brain to respond to things rather than react, you um, may do things that are not aligned with what you'd like. And, you know, an example you know, I'll just start with with children, with teens. You know, if you are um, not equipped to deal with the amount of schoolwork that you're getting every day, you might just go to your room and be stressed out and, you know, freeze around it and not get it done. But if you realize that there are things happening in your brain, if you understand the way your brain works and say, wow, I need to take a walk, or I need to talk to somebody, or I need some help with this, some simple things, then then we're in a place where where you can improve your behavior and your performance. That's such a simple thing. But on a, on a deeper level, um, anger management, communication, you know, things that that, you know, we talk about and teach all the time are fundamental to creating better relationships and a lot less stress and a lot less um, strife. You know, thank you for explaining that, Shirley. I think that's really uh, very clear what you've said. And and I think what I, I also really appreciate is that you make the point that when we think about physical health, we do things like go to the doctor or eat healthfully or work out, you know, that there's sort of a, an acceptable protocol that people understand would contribute to their, their well-being physically. And yet we have um, less comfort and less conversation really about mental health in terms of our own lives um, and the support that we give ourselves and seek from others, even how we talk about mental health. Um, you know, it's often a conversation that's happening behind a closed door or, or not happening at all. Um, so I really like the way that you um, point out that when we think about health, we need to think more holistically about it. Certainly that's consistent with here at Georgetown where we, we talk about the Jesuit value of cura personalis, you know, care of the whole person. And I, I really think that what you've said is an invitation for us to think about a vital community um, as very much being connected to um, care of the whole person, care of mind, you know, body, spirit, and emotion. And, and some of those categories really fall into this, this frame of mental health. Um, I'd love to just um, say, I'd love to explore a little bit more with you um, the idea of, um, of community as a, as a concept, I mean, our show, we often are looking at what does it take to create transformation? What kind of changes that happen with human beings can lead to transformational outcomes? Uh, we also are looking at leadership and, and what does that mean in organizational life today, given the complexity of the world around us? And I'm curious about, um, I'm curious about the transformational outcomes that are happening at the Women's Center for the people who are participating there. And I'd love for you to just share with us what you think 
the Women's Center is doing for people in that regard. Yeah, so so I want to go back, um, you know, to the last question. When we, when we talk about mental health, um, what I really probably left out of that conversation was the fact that there are people who are seriously mentally ill, who have disorders of the brain or have had so much trauma um, and so much anxiety that they're really troubled. And I want to, you know, make a point that for those people, the therapy that we provide at the center is a real important part of their healing process and in some cases just their maintenance process. So um, often when I talk about mental health, I'm talking about let's get in front of everybody to talk about how do we keep our minds aligned with our heart, souls, and bodies. But there also are, are people going through much more difficult situations. So I wanted to make that point first so that we didn't, um, you know, I didn't shortchange that. But I also, um, you know, in talking about, you know, the, the um, you know, question posed in that as we, we look at the community and we look at, you know, you know, leadership and mental health and all those different areas, Every company I've ever worked for or consulted with or, or been a part of um, talks about leadership and tries to promote greater leaders. You know, I was fortunate to be one of the people who went through the Georgetown um, leadership program about, I don't know, six or seven years ago now. And it really opened my eyes to the necessity of having all of your tanks full. Not just, you know, being a great thinker, but also knowing how to, to continually um, replace energies in, in, that are um, given through, you know, your emotional well-being and your spiritual and your physical well-being. That, you know, we sleep at night to rest our bodies, but what are, what are we doing for the rest of us? And so I'd like to, you know, probably talk about that with you a little bit more as you brought it up as well because it's a big part of how we look at things at the Women's Center and how I believe a lot of the other nonprofits in this area look to serve um, look to serve well thank you for thank you for first of all really elaborating on the the way that you are serving people with regards to mental health because I agree with you I think that um, I think there's there's sort of two very important parts. One is the the quality and care of care and the care that you're giving to people who really need the help and need the healing with serious mental health concerns and and the other is um maybe raising awareness around mental health as a very positive place to focus um as we think about our own well-being our well-being in our families and our communities and my question really was to what was curious about um, the idea of transformation and you know the kinds of changes or shifts that you see happening for people at the women's center and and perhaps there's small transformations or small changes perhaps they're life you know real life changing things we have about a minute I'd love to hear your thoughts so um, the great thing about what I do is people will come and tell me their stories from 15 years ago, 20 years ago, even 30 years ago. You know, one woman walked up to me and she said, you know, I, I was married 30 years, 
seven children, stay-at-home mom, and one day my husband announced he was leaving me. No warning. I was devastated. I went to one of the darkest places you can imagine, and someone told me to call the Women's Center, and she said, I came to some of the classes. I, I started seeing a therapist there. I got my children involved in some therapy, and she said, two years later, I'm the happiest I've ever been in my life. You know, I talked with another woman who was escaping a lifetime of domestic violence. You know, she left a home where she was raised with witnessing it and went into a marriage where she saw it. She escaped, went to one of the shelters in the area. And one of our therapists goes there and she said, my 12-year-old son wouldn't talk to anybody until your therapist came. And she said, he has become a new person. So, you know, those are short examples. I I could probably give you 20 of them of the way that the center makes such a difference in lives. Um, And especially some families who have come in who have lost everything and they pay as little as $5, you know, to go through um, a process with their therapist. Thank you. That's really, those are, those are nice examples and I think um, really give us a sense of the kinds of work that's happening there. You know, um, Shirley, we're going to take a break now and we'll be back after the break. This is, the radio show is called Inside Transformational Leadership and my guest today is Shirley Clark, who is the CEO and Executive Director of the Women's Center that's doing the fabulous work we've been talking about so far. When we come back, Shirley, I'm hoping that we can actually dig into um, more on the impact of the Women's Center and also the kind of leadership it takes from you to lead a nonprofit like this. I know that will be interesting for people. How does that sound? That sounds fantastic. Thank All you, right. Kate. We'll take a break. Founded in 2012, the Institute for Transformational Leadership, ITL, is an international center for inquiry, experiential education, and research about leadership in the 21st century. Our mission is to develop worldwide communities of transformational leaders and leadership coaches who are dedicated to engaging and providing the leadership needed for a more sustainable and compassionate future. We currently offer two cohort-based certificate programs, the ICF Accredited Certificate in Leadership Coaching and the Executive Certificate in Transformational Leadership. We also offer a range of ICF-certified Advanced Coach Education Master Courses for experienced leadership coaches. For more information about our programs and how to apply, visit scs.georgetown.edu forward slash ITL. Email itlprograms at georgetown.edu or call 202-687-7000. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CIO Talk Radio, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experiences with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive. This means better care for customers and improves the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The bottom line in business talk. 
You are listening to Inside Transformational Leadership, produced by Georgetown University's Institute for Transformational Leadership. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please send an email to itlprograms at georgetown.edu. Here again is your host, Kate Ebner. Welcome back. I'm Kate Ebner. My guest is Shirley Clark, and we are talking about the Women's Center and the difference it's making in the Washington, D.C. metro area. Um, Shirley, you and I, before the break, we were, we were, you were giving some examples of the transformational impact of the experiences people are having at the center. And I'd really like to talk a little bit more with you about, you know, you made a big decision to come on board to lead the Women's Center and to really um, align your, your life's work with the mission of the Women's Center. You talked a little bit about that in the first segment. Um, I'd love to know what it's been like from a leadership perspective to step into this nonprofit with this important work and what you've learned from your journey so far. Thanks, Kate. Um, very complex question, so please feel free to draw me back, you know, to center on this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with um, walking in and looking for what I didn't know I didn't know. You know, if we think about, you know, what we know we don't know, we, we can ask a lot of the right questions and learn that. But when you're you're walking to, into an organization that has had a number of leaders over 40 years and you're dealing with very challenging mental health issues, you're dealing with challenging fundraising issues, you're dealing with a lot of um, different um, operational scenarios that you may not have dealt with. I think that was the biggest, the biggest challenge for me was what do I not know that I don't know? And gathering teams around me of people to interview and ask and to ask questions of what am I not asking? If you were me, what question would you ask, you know, or what questions have I asked? I think it was, it was probably the biggest use of that um, part of my thinking that I've ever had in, in any job, because most jobs that I've been in, especially as leaders, I worked my way into and I knew what I was walking into or I had people there that knew what I should be doing that I could go to. This was really different to take the helm of an organization um, and not have that. So it tested me on all levels. And I would say that it was also a learning process in many ways. And if I went back to critique it, you know, I, I would say, what could I have done better? What could I have done differently? You know, what would have made a bigger impact sooner? You know, and all the questions and we get into our head sometimes with a woulda, coulda, shoulda, boy, I could have done that sooner if I would have seen this coming. So the second part of that was to give myself space. You know, this was um, experimental in, in many ways for the organization to bring me in. Um, but while I was helping out, we, we realized, you know, together that I probably had the skill sets for the time. And that, you know, having that type of support behind me where, where the board, you know, recognized what I had and what I didn't have was also, you know, just a huge part of this. I made a very conscious decision while I was going through this process of discovery to be incredibly transparent about what I knew and didn't know. And I think that it was incredibly helpful for me to never pretend 
in any way, shape, or form that I knew something that I didn't know. And, um, and so when a question would be asked of me, I would say, I'm not sure. And I would go back and see what I could find from it, whether the data existed in a way that I could articulate it or whether we, we had to dig through, you know, some files and papers. You know, you have a nonprofit with very little technology and a lot of paper. And so sometimes what you're used to in the corporate world isn't readily at hand. And so it was um, an incredible experience and journey to go through that discovery process. Um, and I would say that for anybody going through it, um, what I kept close to me each day as I drove in um, was a prayer of humility, of just being thankful for the opportunity to serve and to please never let my ego get in the way of the work that had to be done. And I believe that probably guided me through those early days more than anything. Yeah. And, and I'm curious, you know, I, I just want to, I want to learn more about that. You know, as you, as you said that prayer of humility and, and, and came in to step into this important job, you know, um, how did that help you? You know, sometimes we don't think about it, but as a leader, we have to-do lists that are a mile long. And that becomes such a head game. You know, we're constantly laying awake at night thinking what has to happen, what needs to go next. When you shift into a prayer or meditation or something else that becomes more spiritual, you're also shifting where your attention goes and you're shifting where your energy comes from. And the fuel in my mental tank was depleted every day. But the fuel from that mindful prayer and thoughtfulness was tremendous in allowing me to show up in a way that had hope and spirit and hopefully grace. Um, I realized there were there were some weeks there where I wasn't showing up the way I wanted to, and I you know how you question yourself like what's going on, what's different, and I realized that. I had I had somehow lost that practice. I think we fall in and out of practices so easily, no matter what our intentions are. Sometimes stress levels and meetings and our schedules change that. And once I realized that, it was like a light bulb going off saying, you know, you need to take care of all four domains. You need to make sure that you're physically getting the amount of sleep and exercise that you need and that you're eating right. All very easy to check the box on. But what are you doing for your emotion, your heart, and what are you doing for your spirit and for your energy? And when I asked those questions, it was so easy for me to go back to old practices. And it was, it was also, you know, one of those opportunities to go, how did I fall off of this? You know, what, what happened? And I would say for anyone that, you know, um, we tend, as, especially as women, I think men do it as well, but women, we always chastise ourselves for what we didn't do right and what we could have done better. But there are learning opportunities, and there, there are times where you can say, wow, what a noticeable difference in the way that I showed up, what a noticeable difference in the way that I draw people in, because running a nonprofit isn't just showing up for work and continually being in the community and 
volunteers wanting to help and how you engage them and how you attract the volunteers that have the skill sets you need in order to serve more effectively. All of those things are so important and they don't happen because you think them. They happen because you feel them. They happen because you care. They happen because you put the energy out. And they happen because you engage at a level that is far deeper than just words. And, um, you know, that's, if I can share anything, I think that's one of the most important things that I can share. I I think that's a a great contribution to our show. And I think that um, I really like how you, how you broadened your story to really be an invitation to nonprofit leaders, probably anybody who's working hard and deeply every day to do something that feels challenging and like it requires everything you have, which is, I think, how you described it. Um, And I think, you know, it's true. We do have practices or good habits about how we sustain ourselves. And when those fall by the wayside, we end up depleted and potentially really burned out. And, you know, I I think leadership today requires a, a lot of you know, adaptiveness, a lot of flexibility, a lot of sharp, you know, quick uh, analysis. Um, you can't do that when you're when you're uh, overwhelmed or overcome or, or exhausted. So I'm glad you shared that with us, and I think that that's a, a terrific advice. Sometimes people, surely I know people feel like they need permission in a way to um, take care of themselves in a role like this, and yet you've really pointed out that you have to model this um, you have to remember that you know how to do this. Um, I'd like to just ask you, you know, that the, um, you've been there now long enough probably that you have some accomplishments or some peak moments that have really been the high points of your, your leadership there so far. I would love to know what you're proud of. Uh, you know, it's a great question. I think there are a number of things I'm proud of and a number of journeys I'm still walking. Um, but I think one of the most important is that the Women's Center to really serve and to make sure that our wonderful and caring therapists are able to do their work in the way that they want to must collaborate with other nonprofits, with government, with the community. And in my tenure there, I have made efforts and, and will continue to make efforts to, to reach out to the people who are involved at what I call points of entry, so that while they're dealing with very difficult situations, they realize that the mental health expertise at the Women's Center can potentially help them, their organizations, their clients, their people through situations. Um, So I'm very proud of of how we're expanding our collaborations and looking looking at new ways to do that. Um, We're in the very beginning stages. Um, We've written for some funding and we're going to continue to write for funding because, you know, in a nonprofit, you never know what it is of programs called um, that are around what I call break the cycle. I mentioned earlier that, you know, we often have children witnessing um, behaviors that are, that are really not acceptable. And often those are violent behaviors or um, abusive behaviors in, in other ways. And 
those children grow knowing very little else in terms of how to manage their own emotions and their own outbursts. And the other part of that is once you become an adult and you're now in an abusive situation, if you don't have the right right tools, um, you can go through um, and escape it, but we'll go back to those same habits. And what we've been seeing, especially with our work with the Domestic Violence Action Center in Fairfax County, um, where we do advocacy with the courthouses, that we're seeing victims come through more than one time and often with a new perpetrator because they haven't had the tools to break the cycle and many of them are not in situations where they'll readily go to counseling. So we're working on ways to increase socialization so that there are more opportunities for them to recognize that they're not alone and that there are many nonprofits and many willing hearts and many volunteers to help them through situations. It's hard for them to navigate that and to find those things, especially when sometimes they're afraid of even opening a computer page with someone, you know, not looking over their shoulder. And so our goal is to help provide care care for those situations. Well, I like, I, I really like this, um, this emphasis on breaking the cycle. And I know that, um, you know, you, you just were talking to, uh, you used the language. Um, there's so many willing hearts, you know, there's so many people who can help and how hard it is to actually believe that and break the cycle. And, um, I'm curious, you know, how, how do you break the cycle? I mean, what, what is it, what happens when somebody is actually breaking the cycle of abuse? When, you know, when we look at, um, you, know, you know, and I'm not a therapist, so, you know, just to be clear for everyone, but when people come and talk to me about their journeys, sometimes it's at the point where they realize they're going to die, that they know they have to make an extreme change. Sometimes it gets to that place where they realize, if I do not escape now, I will not be here tomorrow. But for others, it's a matter of of having someone tell them that they're worthy and that they're worth it and that they don't need to go through this. Some, But most importantly, it's a matter of them believing it for themselves, coming to that point where they feel and know that they are worthy of something better than that in their lives. And... I was just going to say, and when, when that realization happens and then you see the help around you and know that it's possible, it helps propel you to look for the people who will help you get to the other side. Mm. You know, um, when we come back, we're going to take a break now again. And when we come back, I, I'd love to talk really about, um, you know, advice you might have for people who are listening who may not be in the Washington metro area, but would like to be able to, you know, break the cycle, help someone break the cycle, um, engage with um, mental health as a positive aspect of community. And I'm really curious, um, Shirley, to, to have you share some of your insights and perhaps even give us some practical advice about 
um, steps that one can take, you know, around these issues. And it's interesting to talk with you because I'm finding that there's so many places to go. You know, we can talk about the center and its mission, which is so powerful. We could talk about what it's like to lead it, which we've been doing. And we can also talk about what it's like to use these resources or to take these steps, which we've just started to do. So I, I appreciate the breadth of our conversation. And when we come back, I'm really looking forward to seeing where we go next. My guest today, Shirley Clark, she is the CEO and Executive Director of the Women's Center. And I'm Kate Ebner. We'll be right back. business leader or executive that wants to achieve more, not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways. Listen for the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. You'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K. on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. Founded in 2012, the Institute for Transformational Leadership, ITL, is an international center for inquiry, experiential education, and research about leadership in the 21st century. Our mission is to develop worldwide communities of transformational leaders and leadership coaches who are dedicated to engaging and providing the leadership needed for a more sustainable and compassionate future. We currently offer two cohort-based certificate programs, the ICF Accredited Certificate in Leadership Coaching and the Executive Certificate in Transformational Leadership. We also offer a range of ICF-certified Advanced Coach Education Master Courses for experienced leadership coaches. For more information about our programs and how to apply, visit scs.georgetown.edu forward slash ITL. Email itlprograms at georgetown.edu or call 202-687-7000. listening to Inside Transformational Leadership, produced by Georgetown University's Institute for Transformational Leadership. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please send an email to itlprograms at georgetown.edu. Here again is your host, Kate Ebner. Welcome back once again. We're having a conversation about the powerful work of the Women's Center and I'm talking with Shirley Clark, who leads the center and who has offered us great insights about what it's like to lead um, a mission-driven nonprofit that's making such an enormous difference in its community and working at some of the hardest and most challenging aspects of of life and of community and of family. Um, So, Shirley, welcome back one more time. And before the break, we were talking about... um, you know, we were talking about this idea of breaking the cycle, you know, helping people um, discover the self-esteem, the sense of self-worth to break the cycle. You mentioned in our opening conversation that self-esteem is a big topic at the Women's Center. And I, I wondered if you could talk a little bit about um, self-esteem 
as uh, a solution and, and how you go about helping people develop it. So, so I will answer that question um, the best way that I can as what I call a lay person. Um, I know that if I had one of our many wonderful therapists on the line with me, they would, you know, they would provide a lot of deeper insights. I think the most important thing, you know, and I will also preface it with one of the reasons we do classes around self-esteem is that it is a great point of entry. And if somebody wants to go and do deeper work um, with a therapist afterward, they can. But the, the biggest piece that I see is that when we feel worthy, we make choices that are good for us. We set boundaries that are healthy and we take a lot less pain from others. Um, I was at, you know, one of my favorite um, authors and speakers and storytellers is Brene Brown and I was able to see her a couple weeks ago and one of the things she said is that we inflict pain instead of feeling it. You know, it is easier to inflict pain than it is to feel it. And when you when you think about what that says, it helps anybody who's at the receiving end of anything negative just step back and say, if that person is inflicting that on me, they're in pain. This is not my issue. This is mm-hmm. their issue. Mm-hmm. And it helps you to separate And I believe that with self-esteem, part of that is being able to separate what comes at you and what you feel from the inside. And there are, you know, there's education around it. Again, just that one sentence to me is, is education. And when you can start with, yes, that's a great thought. I'm no longer going to allow this to hurt me or I'm going to try not to allow it to hurt me. It's a place to start. And for everyone, it's different. It depends on where they are in, in the process. It depends on how, how they have lived their lives to that point, whether they're 15 or whether they're 50. Um, we all have had experiences that shape the way we think about ourselves. And the more that we are able to appreciate ourselves, the more that we're able to as I said, set those boundaries and make healthy decisions for ourselves. Thank you for that very thoughtful answer, Shirley. And, you know, you mentioned Brene Brown, whose work has been incredibly valuable for opening up the conversation about, um, you know, self-worth, about um, vulnerability, um, about finding courage. And I wonder if there are other resources or, 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 Kind of suggestions you have for people about where they could go if they're ready to begin to either help someone or perhaps help themselves with these kinds of issues. Just it doesn't have to be clinical, but even just sort of like how do you how do you move toward making a change? Yeah. So um, one line of suggestion is to start discovery. Since we mentioned Brene. You know, she has um, a couple of wonderful TED Talks, and I suggest people look, you know, up TEDx and search her and look at her talks and see whether it resonates and see whether anything that she says um, strikes a chord. Because if it does, that means that you're open for more learning. 
um, she, and again, I, you know, not to, to plug Brene, but she does such wonderful work here, and it's such important work. And, you know, therapists often use her work, as, as do executive coaches use her work. And she has um, tr- started to train people in her work, and so that it's out there across the country and throughout the world so that people can have access to it. You can search her Daring Way work. Um, we've actually had a few people trained in her work at, who have started offering classes through the Women's Center. Um, it's the first time we, we've done something at that at that level, but we're about to offer our third program of it, and it's been really wonderfully received. Um, it's it's different than what we have usually done in terms of you know bringing in in a program, but it's such rich material, and and that is available throughout the country right now. So anybody listening to this program can do a search and find that and see oh. whether it's right for them. Great, I think that's a wonderful recommendation. Um, I would like to go back to the conversation that we were having before about what it's like to lead such an important mission and you know what you you've talked a little bit about what you're proud about you've talked a little bit about what you've learned <laughs> what you had to remember um and I'm, I'm curious about um you know what's challenging what does the women's center need right now and 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 i'm asking you two questions at once i guess what are the challenges of the center and what are the challenges for you as leader okay so um as with many nonprofits, there's typically little investment for um, reinvestment. So infrastructure tends to get neglected. Um, with a center that's been around as long as ours, our infrastructure has been neglected. Um, and a lot of the technological advances that are available to us are, are not currently in play. But even more than that, some of the infrastructure being neglected has also um, affected, you know, our people, the people who give so much because they haven't had, you know, the the support they needed, you know, operationally or, or um, technologically. And so that is a huge challenge because that affects the way that we serve. That affects the amount of um, people that we can reach and it affects um it affects our overall efficiency. So that is the biggest challenge that I have right now facing me is making that transition, crossing that bridge to becoming more efficient, more effective, envisioning what the future can look like with a huge long past, um, some of which I've learned, some of which I haven't, and really looking at how can we serve more people um, more effectively. So that's that's the biggest challenge. The part that, from a leadership perspective, that goes along with that is you're dealing with change management. And in any corporate structure, you know, we've heard those words, re-engineering, you know, reorganization, you know, whatever, whatever the, the word du jour has been around change. Change brings fear, always. And um, fear brings skepticism, questioning, um, you know, all of those things that come with it. And so the biggest challenge right now is to both envision a future and bring along everyone on the journey in a way that um, the fear is subsided and that the enthusiasm and the hopefulness is where everybody, you know, combines their talents and energies as we go forward. As a leader, oh, go ahead. 
No, I was just I was just sort of thinking, reflecting on how change does spark fear and anxiety for people and how hard it can be for people to um, feel uncertain about the future. And so I really liked the way that you talked about um, developing that vision for the future and, and helping people move out of or move through their fear and anxiety. I think that sounds really imp- like very important uh, leadership work to do. But I interrupted you, so go ahead. No, I was going to say that the biggest part of that to me um, is consistent communication in making sure that along the way the communication is two-way, not just one-way, and that that we're morphing each day together. And it's not a, well, I have this vision. Here's what we need to do. Let's make it happen. It's, it's I have a vision. It's a starting point. Now let's come together and talk about how do we best achieve these goals. Maybe it's not the exact path that I have as Shirley Clark, but it's, but it's a, it's a slightly different path that together we have that I'm learning through our conversation. I'm learning through our feedback. I'm learning through asking the right questions and making sure that there's full involvement. That is really um, challenging in many ways, but it's also um, the most reaffirming and confirming. You know, what's been interesting is that when I stepped into this role, I've had many leadership roles. I've had the opportunity to grow divisions and companies. And, um, you know, it's, it's just been, I've had a wonderful career. It's just been very, I've been blessed. And this has been different in that I wear this like my skin. And I feel that um, everything that I do is, is a personification of my intention and, and my passion and my purpose. That is a gift that not all leaders have because they're not all in the positions that maybe are, are their life um, purpose. I feel mine is right now, and it might be a right now. You know, I, I always make the joke about, you know, Winston Churchill won the war, but he lost the election afterward, and Chamberlain had to come in to clean things up. And sometimes as you're going through transition and change, it is, um, you know, it is a gift to be able to be a part of leading that. And whatever the future is, I'm open to, and I think that's the other part of it is that, you have to turn it all over and um, trust the journey and know that if you're giving everything you can every step of the way, the journey will take you where it needs to take you. Oh, that's such such wisdom in what you've just said, Shirley. Thank you. Thank you for that reflection. Um, you know, as a coach, I'm often curious about... Um, the mindset of leadership, really, like what, what, is the, what is the way this leader is thinking and looking at their challenges? And I think you've just done such a great job of not only describing the challenge, but actually um, sharing the mindset or the, the way you have of looking at it and thinking about it. And, you know, I want to give you a chance in the remaining few minutes that we have to share anything else that you'd like for those listening to know about the Women's Center and its work 
And, and I, I, I'm giving you this huge open-ended question because I, I know uh, very well that we've only scratched the surface of the impact that the Women's Center is making. Is there anything else you'd like to just make sure we all understand about it? Yeah, I think that, thank you so much for that open-ended question. Because I think that I have seen many people um, react to the Women's Center differently. I had a group of women in my office a couple weeks ago, and one of them said, I've been donating to the center. I thought you were a shelter, you know, and so you realize that the vision of many, it's like we're, you know, we're on a, we're on a mountain and depending on where you're standing, looking at us, you have a different view. Some people think we're there for, you know, um, marriage and relationship challenges. Others think we're there for domestic violence. Some think, you know, we're there to deal with grief. The truth of the matter is that mental health is a part of all of those pieces and our therapists, you know, work in all areas of life and all transitions. And so um, we, we market, you know, we market ourselves as the women's center because that's our name right now, but we're really looking at um, the women's center for well-being. You know, it's all about what do you need to be well in your life and mental health is a part of that and um, so a few other things that we didn't talk about is that we do have an information and referral um, system so that when when people call if we are not the resource we refer people to where they can get help and that's um, volunteer um, run so that's a wonderful part of what the Women's Center does but also in terms of serving people regardless of their ability to pay we are a clinical training program. We bring in interns from a number of universities throughout the area and actually throughout the country, and they do um, they do practical work for us. Then we also um, keep on pre-licensed therapists who are earning their hours in, in D.C. or in Virginia to become licensed therapists, and they're all supervised, and they get their experience at the Women's Center. And then, of course, we have licensed therapists who are psychologists, um, they are, we have LPCs, and we have also have social workers. So you can, we have a lot of different disciplines coming together and sharing their knowledge with each other. But importantly, we take insurance, and we take full fee, of course, so anybody can come to us. But for those who either have too high of a du- deductible or don't want to use their insurance, we have a flat fee. You can see a pre-licensed therapist for $49 for a session for anybody. And then, of course, sliding scale is for those who can't afford, um, what you know, normal fees. And so we do serve in all of those different areas. You don't have to be rich and you don't have to be poor. You can be anybody to come to the Women's Center. And that is a message that isn't always clear. Fantastic. I think, I think you have... Um probably debunked a few myths about the Women's Center and given us a much deeper understanding of the kinds of um, of support that's available there. And, you know, Shirley, it's really been a pleasure to speak with you today. You know, sometimes we speak with people who are theorists about leadership or change. Sometimes we speak with people whose ideas can really revolutionize our own thinking. Today, I think we had a conversation that illuminated for me and for all of us um, the the deep thoughtfulness at the center of leading something that is mission-driven, very important, and that has a, a legacy, you know, 40-year history and, a, and a, a new vision for the future. We wish you all the best as you go forward and, and carry this out. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Kate. I really appreciate the opportunity. 
Thank you for joining us this week on Inside Transformational Leadership. Please tune in for another edition with your host, Kate Ebner, next Monday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our programs, please visit scs.georgetown.edu forward slash ITL. We'll talk again next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.